Well, good Sunday evening. I'm uh, thankful that we uh, are able to come together and open the Word of God like this tonight. So um, I'm, I'm thankful that you uh, are here to join us. If you're coming on right now live, I am thankful for that. So take just a minute and uh, share the, the link. Make sure you let others know that we um, are on, that they can watch along with us. Maybe you have some family or friends that would be willing to join with us on Sunday night. And I know they'll be encouraged, refreshed, and helped from the Bible tonight. So find that. What a great day we had this morning. We had a wonderful time in our Bible fellowships all across the campus this morning. And then the morning service, we sang a new song today, one of my favorite songs. Uh, it is a, a song that has encouraged my heart many, many times. The Lord is our salvation. And he is, in fact, our salvation. What a joy it is to know that we have victory in this life. We have victory in the life to come. And so I hope it encouraged your heart today like it did mine. And then this morning, we dealt with a very important message on when ministry becomes messy. And because of our, our humanity, because of our flesh, we oftentimes get into situations where uh, sometimes we we begin to defend a personal interest or we begin to major on our own personal interests and we get our eyes off of the Lord or off of what God has called us to do. And it's so easy to do, so easy to do. And the Apostle Paul, Barnabas, these were men of God. These were men that loved the Lord. They were passionate men. They were spirit-filled men. And yet their flesh uh, hindered them. I think it's an important passage of scripture because it shows me that um, the Bible, again, it, it reemphasizes here that the Bible was not written by men. Men would do everything they can to cover their faults, but God just exposed it. And I think later when Paul was writing, the things I want to do and I don't do, that's what I do. The things I hate, that do I. The things that I should do, I don't do. And I think he had that in mind, the things that I shouldn't have said to Barnabas, I did. The things that I hated about myself that I, I, I said, I, I did it. And oh, wretched man that I am. So oftentimes our flesh comes to the surface, doesn't it? So I pray that uh, you would have an honest assessment with the Holy Spirit and let the Lord do a work in your heart. Let's, let's be focused on the main things that God has called us to do. Um, be finding again in your Bible three places tonight, three places, and we're going to be looking at all three of these. So get a bookmarker, uh, use the tab on your Bible. I've got two bookmarkers and in, in my tab, my string on my Bible. So find that and, and you'll use those to go back and forth. We're going to go to Numbers chapter 11. We're going to go to 1 Kings 19, and we're going to go to the book of Jonah chapter 4. Now, Jonah's tucked way back there in the Minor Prophets, and it is a Minor Prophet. Jonah was a Minor Prophet with a major message. Minor in size, but a great message. So go find Jonah chapter 4, 1 Kings 19, and Numbers chapter 11. We had a couple of announcements today, and we were excited about what God is uh, allowing us to, um, to do. We have, we have our ministry expo coming up. Uh, in a few weeks, we have uh, men's prayer breakfast starting up. I'm looking forward to that. That's going to be a great time for men to get together, have breakfast, pray together, 
And uh, that'll be uh, once a month at the church. So we'll tell you more about that as time goes on, but just mark it down, be there. And I know God will use that to encourage you and help you and strengthen you. We're gonna do a couple things with some instruction on prayer. Um, they will, um, it'll, it'll be a very concise time, but a good time and a good use of our time. Also, uh, this is, uh, we've got voting coming up. The elections are just around the corner. And so I wanna encourage you to get your voting guide. If you have any questions, we've got some voter guides that we've, we've presented. Uh, make sure that you vote with a biblical conscience and, and uh, make sure that you go and vote. I'm encouraging people to vote in person. Uh, I, that's the way I like to vote. It's a personal preference. Uh, I don't know that one has a greater capacity over the other to have any uh, sway on the election, but I do know that I just like to go. And so I would encourage you to do that and be a part of the election process. I think you can even vote in person in Colorado even before actual election day. So I'm not really sure about that. I think that's what I read. Uh, and I should be talking about things I know and not things I think, but that's okay. Uh, you can look it up yourself and do a little research, find out where you can vote and go vote. So tonight, uh, the last few weeks, we've been dealing with some things I think are very, very important in the lives of believers. We've talked about, uh, we've talked about fighting a battle against fear. Uh, we've talked about winning a war against worry. So many people today are worried. So many people are dominated by a spirit of fear. Those are, those are satanic tools. We're all prone to them, but Satan uses them and exploits them to his advantage. And tonight we're gonna to talk about something incredibly important that every one of us need to hear. And we're gonna talk about defending against discouragement. Defending against discouragement. My dad had a sign in his office all the years I was growing up, it hung above the door. And it was a wood burn sign and it said, uh, discouragement is of the devil. And boy, is that not the truth. Discouragement is of the devil. He wants to discourage God's people. You know why? It's hard to share the good news when you're discouraged. And so we wanna make sure that we defend against discouragement. I'm gonna try to give you some really helpful things tonight. Uh, have you ever been discouraged or depressed? Have you ever been through a series, a season of your life of discouragement or depression? These are very real things. I have a quote here from John R.W. Scott. Here's what he said. He said, the Christian's two chief occupational hazards are depression and discouragement. The two chief occupational hazards of the Christian are depression and discouragement. A psychologist, psychologist defined uh, discouragement as being a feeling of helplessness and hopelessness that leads to a state of sadness. A feeling of helplessness, a feeling of hopelessness that leads to sadness. Discouragement and depression is a very real problem. Uh, even if those problems are real or imagined, the problems that we're feeling discouraged about may not even be real problems or as big as we're making them out to be. However, the feeling of discouragement is a very real problem. 
And I know many people are dealing with it today with a sense of hopelessness, a sense of helplessness, and it leads to a state of sadness. There's a lot of people there. I wanna help you as a pastor to people. I wanna help you tonight with defending against discouragement. Father, I pray these next few moments you would open up your word in our hearts and our ears to hear from you. There's a lot of heavy hearts tonight, a lot of people who have these feelings of helplessness as we see the conditions of the world and the state that our, our own country is in. And many feel hopeless and helpless and it leads to a state of sadness. And so Lord, I pray that we would find help in that so that we can walk in the joy of the Lord. And I pray the joy of the Lord would be our strength. So use your word tonight to instruct us in Jesus' name, amen. So we're gonna deal with this tonight. I want you to look in your Bible, Numbers chapter 11, and look with me at verse number 11. The Bible said, and Moses said unto the Lord. Now here's Moses in a personal con, con, uh, conversation with the Lord. He says, wherefore hast thou afflicted thy servant? God, why have you afflicted me? And wherefore have I not found favor in thy sight that thou layest the burden of all this people upon me? What did I do? God, what did I do to deserve this? Have I conceived all this people? Have I begotten them? I mean, are these my children? He says, carry them in thy bosom. Thou, he said, God, you said to me, carry them in thy bosom. As a nursing father beareth the sucking child unto the land which thou swearest unto their fathers. When should I have flesh to give unto all this people? For they weep unto me saying, give us flesh that we may eat. I am not able to bear all this people alone because it is too heavy for me. If thou deal thus with me, kill me, I pray thee out of thy hand if I have found favor in thy sight and let me not see my wretchedness. Don't you think in this moment that Moses as he looked at those two million, three million possibly, people that God had given him the care of to bring them out of Egypt, going to the promised land and here they're in the wilderness. And he looked at these people and he said, God, this is too much for me. I didn't bear all these kids, they're not my children. And you've asked me to carry them. You've asked me to take them and I, Lord, I don't have flesh for all these people. We're out here in the wilderness, where am I gonna get food? for all these people. God, this is too much. This is too much. And then he prays a prayer that I cannot even imagine a man like Moses praying, but he prayed this prayer, God, kill me. God, kill me out of your hand. What a, what a prayer. Look with me over in 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19 and the Bible says in verse one, Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah saying, so let the gods do to me and more also if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. She said, I, I, God do to me if I don't kill you. 
That's what she was saying. And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life, came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die and said, it is enough. Now, O Lord, take away my life for I am not better than my father's. Here's Elijah. What a, what a wonderful prophet Elijah was. And Elijah has just had this great victory on Mount Carmel. The people are on their faces saying, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And here he is under the juniper tree praying, Lord, take my life. I don't wanna live anymore. This is too much for me. Look over at a third prophet, the prophet Jonah. And I want you to see this in verse number one, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly. And he was very angry. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore, I fled before unto Tarshish. For I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness and repentest thee of the evil. Therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me. For it is better for me to die than to live. Now here's three prophets of God in the Old Testament, men that we have come to preach about, teach about, men that we have become so familiar, Moses, Elijah, and Jonah. And we have a record of from their own lips and their prayers where they literally beseeched God, begged God, pleaded with God, God, take my life, kill me. It's better for me to die than it is for me to live. These were good men. These were men who loved God, men whom God loved, and it happened to them. Can I tell you, it can happen to you, and it can happen to me. We can come to a place where we have feelings. Remember what depression and discouragement is. Discouragement, a psychologist said, is a feeling of helplessness, a feeling of hopelessness that leads us to a state of sadness. And that's where Moses found himself. That's where Elijah found himself, and that's where Jonah found himself. Now, as we study these three prophets, we're gonna see that these three prophets had three major problems. They had three great problems, and I believe that all three of these problems led to the outcome of the feelings of helplessness and hopelessness and this now state of sadness that they were entering into. Now, what were the problems? Well, each of these men had problems, physical, psychological, or emotional, and spiritual. Uh, there was a physiological problem, a psychological problem, and a spiritual problem, and I think you'll see them. Look back with me, if you will, please, in Numbers chapter 11, and notice what Moses said. Moses said, uh, God, verse number, verse number um, 
14, I am not able to bear all this people alone because it is too heavy for me. What was his, what was Moses' physical problem? He was worn out physically. Moses was literally worn out physically. From daylight to dark, he was up hearing the problems of the people. Moses was listening to their complaints. He was hearing their problems. He was settling their cases. He was bearing their tears. He was hearing their wrath. How come you brought us out here to die? I mean, Moses all day long, all day long, from can to can't, from daylight to dark, was up literally hearing the problems of these two to three million people. And he was overburdened. He said, God, it's it's too heavy. And by the way, it would be too heavy for anybody. Moses was extremely overburdened. Well, what about with Elijah in 1 Kings 19? In 1 Kings 19, let's take just a moment and see how was Elijah worn out physically? Well, he had just been up on Mount Carmel. They had just had this great contest up on the mountain. He had prayed and God had sent fire down from heaven. He lined up all 450 prophets of Baal and slew them with the sword. And I want to tell you, that's a lot of work. 450 men that he slew with the sword. That's a lot of work. And then he began to pray, remember? And then he had to outrun uh, Ahab. And if you go back and study where he was at Mount Carmel and where he ran to outrun Ahab, you'll find that he ran right at 30 miles. Now, can you do that? I couldn't do that. I couldn't run 30 miles. I could run 30 feet, but he ran 30 miles. He was without food and water for some time, and now he is just physically exhausted. He has been in this battle. He has run 30 miles, longer than a marathon, and now he's worn out. Moses was overburdened. Uh, Elijah was, was physically exhausted. Jonah, think about Jonah. Jonah tried to run from the Lord. He'd been in this torrential downpour and storm on the ship. He was thrown overboard into the sea. That took a great toll on him in many ways. But then here he is swallowed by this fish and he's in the whale's belly for three days and three nights. That, I can't even imagine what that would be like. Just put yourself in that position. God has prepared this fish to put you in and you're in the belly of this thing for three days and three nights. No food, no water. Then he was regurgitated out. He ran a long journey. If you, if you go look at the map, go look at Mosul. There in Kurdistan, northern Iraq, go look at Mosul. That's modern day Nineveh. He ran from the great sea all the way there. And then he ran into the city and preached a revival. No PA system, no staff, no one, to, no one to help gather the people. He ran through the city, which took three days to walk around it. He ran through it, preached. He had no hotel. There was no place to check in. There was no Comfort Inn or Hampton Inn. There was no bed to sleep on. He just ran into this city and cried against it and preached against it. And I want to tell you, those kind of messages are exhausting. They're physically exhausting. Then when it was all over, if you read the story of Jonah, Jonah sits down at the outskirts of the city and God sends a hot wind 
to blow on him. And he's being beat down by the sun. Did you read that? And here Jonah is just physically worn out. The great football coach, Vince Lombardi, said this, fatigue makes cowards of us all. Fatigue makes cowards of us all. And I wanna tell you, these men had a problem. These prophets had a problem. And their problem was, first of all, they were worn out physically. Second of all, every one of these men had some psychological problems, some emotional problems. Now, let me tell you what they were. First of all, Moses in Numbers chapter 11, Moses had a people problem. Moses was uh, overworked. Moses was daylight to dark, hearing the problems, and he had a people problem. If you'll go back to Numbers chapter 11, you'll see that the Bible said of Moses, uh, in verse number one, he asked the Lord, uh, that thou layest the burden of all this people upon me. Verse number 12, have I conceived all this people? Uh, he said in verse number, uh, verse number 14, I am not able to bear all this people alone. Moses had a people problem. I want to tell you, people can wear you out. Moses was in a position where he was hearing the problems of the people and he was hearing them all day long, every day, and they were in a, a very inhospitable land and Moses was worn out with a people problem. People were wearing him out. Number two, Elijah had a pity problem. Back in 1 Kings chapter 19, Elijah asked this question to the Lord. He, or, or, or made the statement to the Lord. He said, Lord, it is enough. Now, O oh Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. Well, that was an interesting statement. Here, Elijah's having a pity party. He says uh, later that he felt like he was the only prophet. Um, Jezebel's gonna kill me. I only am left alone. Of all the prophets taking a stand for God, I'm all by myself. And then he says, I am not better than my father's. Now, now that's an interesting statement because somewhere along the line, Elijah had either been told or had bought into this idea that he was different from everybody else, that he, he was above his father's, that he had a, a different standing or status and that he, what was happening to them wouldn't happen to him because he had a a, a, a higher stature perhaps. And then he's coming to this recognition and he's pouting to God, God, I'm not better than my father's. I'm no different. I'm, I'm just doing my part. I'm out here taking my stand and I'm out here trying to serve you. And God, look what it's gotten me. And Elijah's having an old fashioned pity party under the juniper tree. He's feeling sorry for himself. I've taken this stand for God. Jezebel wants my head, and God, it's just not fair. He's having a pity problem. Jonah had a pride problem. Jo Jonah chapter four and verse one, the Bible says that Jonah says uh, he was angry with God. He was, the whole thing displeased God. He said, because when I was yet in my country, you see, this is the problem. He was a proud Jew, and he was proud of his nation, and, and, and rightfully so in some degree, but, but not to the extent where he was. He knew, he said, God, I don't wanna go preach that because I know you're merciful. I know you're kind. I know you're a forgiving God. And if I go there and I preach this message, they may repent and you'll forgive. 
And what is it gonna look like for me if I come in preaching, hey, in, in these few days, Nineveh's gonna be destroyed. And then you don't destroy it, you save it. What's that gonna look like for me? I'm gonna look like a false prophet. I'm gonna look like a bad evangelist. I'm gonna look like a man who doesn't know what he's talking about. I preach judgment, you gave grace. I knew this was gonna happen. I knew you were gonna do that. And God, these Gentiles don't deserve it. Jonah was angry at the whole thing. He, was, he had a pride problem. God, this is gonna look bad on me and this is gonna look bad on you. And if you look bad and I look bad, then our nation looks bad and you're gonna save these people and they don't deserve it. And so here, the problem that we see in all of these men is they had a physical problem. They were worn out. They were just physically exhausted, every one of them. Number two, these men were very um, psychologically, emotionally, they emotionally had a problem. They're emotionally wrung out. Uh, Moses from the burdens of the people, Elijah from his own burdens and the pity party he was giving and Jonah from his pride. You see, let me tell you where depression comes. Depression often comes when something that we have or something that we value is taken from us or is threatened. When something that we value or someone that we value, something that we love, someone that we love is threatened or is taken from us. Maybe it's a loved one. Maybe it's a possession. Maybe it's a hope that we have, but something that we hold to very dear and that is taken from us, that depression sets in. We feel helpless, we feel hopeless, and that leads us to a state of sadness. It often turns the depression into anger, often to bitterness. What a sad state. Can I tell you, I'm not immune and you're not immune and ministry is not an immunity. These three prophets dealt this way. They, they felt this way. They were literally asking God to take their lives. I'll say this very quickly in closing tonight and we'll pick back up, Lord willing, next Sunday night. But number three, they all had a spiritual problem. Every one of these men had a spiritual problem. But what was their spiritual problem? They had gotten spiritually distraught spiritually detached. You see, they had gotten worn out physically. They'd gotten worked up emotionally. They got their eyes off the Lord and they put their eyes on people, their eyes on circumstances, their eyes on themselves, and they got themselves in a spiritual trouble. You see, we get in trouble spiritually when we're already in trouble physically and emotionally or psychologically, and then the devil takes advantage of the circumstance. I wish I had time to go to it, but you'll remember over in the book of Deuteronomy, we see a retelling of the story of Israel in the wilderness. God's recounting their, their wanderings in the wilderness. And here's what happened. When Israel was out in the wilderness, Amalek attacked them, but they didn't attack them from the front. Amalek attacked them from the rear. And here's who they took. They took their faint, they took their halt, they took their lame, they took their young, they took the most defenseless. 
And this is exactly what happens. This is how the devil operates. He gets you in a place where you're faint. You've been working. You've been going through some burdens. You're, you're going through some worries or some fears and you're just tired and you're wore out. And then the devil will attack you. The devil doesn't play fair. He looks for a weakness. He looks to exploit a place that is already vulnerable. And then he comes at it. It's interesting here that uh, all of these men were on a spiritual high. Moses had just come through the Red Sea. He had just seen all the plagues of Egypt and God delivered them from the hand of Pharaoh, delivered them through the Red Sea. He'd been, he'd been out uh, in the, this place now where God had given him this law and they were working. He had been working to see God move in the people's lives and now they're moving through the wilderness after a spiritual high. And what happens? They're hit hard with a blow spiritually from the devil. And Moses wants to die. Elijah just came off of Mount Carmel where God rained down fire. We overthrew the Baal prophets. The people turned to God. It's been a great spiritual victory. I mean, the people had repented. It's been a wonderful thing. Jonah it just seemed probably one of the greatest revivals the world has ever known. Men had been on a spiritual high and now they're having a spiritual battle. You know, can I tell you, if you, hear, if you ever hear somebody close to you using the words like overwhelmed or I'm so tired or I just feel helpless or I feel alone, you need to run to them, draw close to them. Why? Because discouragement has set in and they need some help and they need it quickly. You know, Jesus went through this very thing. He went through this very thing. Just after a great spiritual victory in Christ's life when he was baptized, the spirit of God came upon him. His father announced from heaven, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. It was a, a major moment in the, beginning of the ministry of Christ. The spirit led him into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And what happened there? Jesus went into a major spiritual test after a great spiritual victory. And there is a major, there's a major truth in that. And Christian, I, I believe that we don't have to fall victim. I don't believe we have to fall victim. I'm going to take just a minute. We're, we're, we're right here at the end, and I want to take just a minute. I want to give you the cure tonight. We saw the cause. Physically worn out, emotionally wrung out, spiritually wrestling. But what were the cures? What were, what were the cures for these men? Well, I want to say right off the bat, thank God he didn't answer prayer. <laughs> I'm glad that God doesn't answer all of our prayers. Every one of these men said, oh God, kill me. Aren't you glad God didn't answer Moses' prayer? I'm thankful God didn't answer Elijah's prayer. So what did he do? Look back very quickly at, at Numbers chapter 11 and look at verse 17. Uh, verse 16 said, and the Lord said unto Moses, gather unto me 70 men of the elders of Israel, whom thou knowest to be the elders of Israel and, offer, and officers over them. And bring them unto the tabernacle of the congregation that they may stand with uh, there with thee. And I will come down and talk with thee there. 
And I will take of the spirit which is upon thee and will put it upon them and they shall bear the burden of the people with thee and thou shalt not bear it thyself alone. What did God do right here? I'll tell you what the Lord did. The Lord gave Moses a physical answer. He gave him 70 men and those 70 men came to stand with him. God put the spirit of Moses on those men and those men stood with Moses to bear the burden with him. Now, listen, you know, if you go back and I don't have time to go through all of this tonight, but if you go back to when Moses' father-in-law came out to meet with him back in the book of Exodus, Moses' father-in-law looked at Moses sitting up day and night talking to these people and he asked Moses an interesting question. He said, Moses, why are you doing this to the people? He didn't ask, Moses, why are these people doing this to you? He said, why are you doing this to the people? Moses was really hindering the people by trying to be available to all the people. And let me remind you, a pastor who is always available is not usually worth much when he is. And so Moses was wearing himself out. Do you know how Moses wore himself out? Listen to me very carefully. You will never get more worn out than when you are doing things God did not intend for you to do. And Moses was doing things God did not attend for him to do. So you know what you need to do? Eliminate some things, delegate some things to other people, and dedicate some time to rest. This is so important. He eliminated some things and said, I'm going to get 70 other men to help you. I'm going to take some of these things off of you. They'll stand with you and bear this burden with you. Delegate it. Take some time and make a priority of rest. And folks, God has told us to rest. We don't observe a Sabbath day under the law anymore. But I want to tell you, it is a wise thing to have a day of rest. And it is a, a joy to be able to rest and and to, and to look through your life and eliminate the things God did not ask you to do. Uh, in 1 Kings chapter 19 and verse five, what did God do for Elijah? God said, Elijah, go lay down and just sleep. <laughs> Here's a guy who's physically worn out and God told him to take a nap. And then God woke him up and said, here, drink this cruise of water and eat this bread from heaven and go back to sleep. And God refreshed him. God refreshed him with good fresh water and good heavenly diet. God refreshed him. Can I tell you some things that you might need to do if discouragement's setting in? You, mean it, you may need to change your diet. Are you eating a lot of junk food? Eating food on the run? Not nourishing your body well? Are you pumping full of energy drinks and trying to pump up on caffeine all the time? Are you hydrating? Are you eating healthy? Are you taking vitamins? You've only got one temple. You need to take care of it. And that's what God did for Elijah. He rested him and he fed him and he nourished him. That was a wonderful thing. You know, you might need to take a few days off and take a break and go on vacation. The Bible tells us in Psalm 127 that God giveth his beloved sleep. Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is take a nap. Jesus said in Mark chapter six and verse 31 to his disciples, come ye apart and rest a while. One wise old preacher said, if you don't take time to come apart, you will come apart. And I believe that this was a, a, a major thing that God did. God gave rest to Elijah. What about Jonah? God gave Jonah relaxation and relief. Read Jonah 4, verses 5 and 6. 
Jonah gave, God gave Jonah a gourd over him and sent a cool breeze and air conditioned it and blocked the sun from him and gave him some relaxation and relief. You don't necessarily even have to go away, but you can, you can get away with God. Psalm 71 and verse three, the psalmist said, be thou my strong habitation, whereunto I may continually resort. Hey, you may not have enough money to go to a five-star resort, but you got a better resort than that. You can go to the Lord and rest. Jesus said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You might need to go see a doctor. The answer is always deeply spiritual, but it may be intensely practical. It may be intensely practical. Very quickly, God gave Moses a psychological help. How did he do that? You know what God said to Moses? He said to Moses, the battle is not yours, it's mine. He gave him a promise to encourage him. Elijah, God said this. He said, hey, look over here. And God, remember, sent the wind. Then he sent the fire. Then he sent the earthquake. And he said, don't you fear, Jezebel. I want you to see my power. I have great power. But he said, but let me tell you, I'm gonna talk to you in the still, small voice. God showed Elijah his power to encourage him and reminded him that God was greater than Jezebel. In Luke 21 and verse 19, the Bible says, in quietness and confidence, possess your souls. In quietness, Jesus told his disciples, in quietness and confidence, possess your souls. Listen, when you see God and his power, it'll give you confidence and it'll quiet your heart, quiet your fears, quiet your worries. Isaiah 30 and verse 15, for thus saith the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest shall ye be saved. In quietness and confidence shall be your strength. He said, listen, in returning to me and finding rest, that's how you're gonna be saved. And this is what God did for Elijah. He showed him his power and he let him rest in it. Then Jonah, what did God do? He gave him a new perspective. He said, get your eyes off of yourself. Look onto the fields that are white to harvest. I sent you here to save lives because you're right, Jonah. I am merciful. I am gracious. And I love sinners just like you. And look at the mercy that I have. And God refreshed him emotionally. And then spiritually, God did a work in all of them spiritually. God loved them. God brought them back to himself. And then God used them. Remember, Hopelessness and helplessness equal depression and discouragement. In Hebrews 13 and verse six, the Lord is my helper. I shall not fear what man shall do unto me. Hebrews chapter six and verse 19, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul. This is a wonderful truth that God loves you and he's made you body, soul, and spirit. And God has the answers you need for things that are wrong with your body, things that are wrong with your soul, and things that are wrong with your spirit. And God can refresh you and help you. Hey, maybe there's some things you need to do differently. Maybe you need to change the way you're thinking about things and spend some more time with the Lord. Get a hold of God's promises and appropriate them into your life. But I know that God can be your defense against discouragement. He can do it. He promised to do it. 
Trust him with it. Lord, I pray tonight that you'll speak to your people. This is an age where many are downcast. So many are under the circumstances and the weight of the world. And I pray that, Lord, when we feel overwhelmed, that you'll lead us to the rock that is higher than I. I pray you'll give us eyes and ears to see and hear those around us who may be feeling this way, that we can come to their aid and help bear their burdens. May we bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of God. God, help us, I pray. Encourage your people, strengthen us in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, don't forget, Wednesday night, we're gonna have our witness in action. So be at seven o'clock. This Wednesday night, we'll all be meeting in the chapel. So come to the chapel first this Wednesday. God bless you, church.